all greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be together, together again like this this morning. Um, our, my family and I, you wonder where we're from or what our church name is. And it always happens. Hampton Mennonite Church, our long name is Believers Mennonite Church of Hampton. Um, so, but anyway, we're from Hampton, Connecticut, for those of you that, that uh, uh, are here for the first time. As Laverne said, we were together for a, a series of a Bible school this week. We've been blessed to be here. Thank you so much, Home Church, here for, for everything that you did for us. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we're coming away with uh, the biggest part of the blessing. Um, it, it has been rich to be with you. As you already mentioned, uh, one of our themes was love as a weapon, and I, I think I'll just give you a little bit of backdrop, a little bit of review, just so that you can hopefully follow along with, with today's message. So our main text was the book of Ephesians, and the first night, however, we went and looked at a, a story of David and Goliath, and how, how that shepherd boy with a heart after God could come against Goliath. Goliath is a type of Satan, I believe. And he defeated him. And this was all done even while the arm of the flesh, which was his, his brothers, his brothers and some of the other uh, soldiers in the army there and, and Saul, they're a picture of the arm of the flesh where they tried to dis discourage him and they tried to accuse him. And, but he kept on going. He had a cause. Is there not a cause to, to uh, live for the Lord? You, you all sang about that cause. Is he worthy? really appreciated that song this morning, and thank you so much for singing, and, and God bless you, and continue to do that. He is worthy. He is worthy of everything that we can give him. You know, when we come with our little offerings, he is worthy of that, and so much more, and isn't it amazing that this God, who's worthy of all praise and glory, he, like, he wants to come in and dwell in us, and walk beside us, <clears throat> walk within us. So anyway, then we went on the second and third night. We looked at love as a weapon. Um, and, and again, thinking of the book of Ephesians as our main text and Ephesians chapter 6, the last couple of verses where it says to put on the whole armor of God. That's kind of a, the, uh, the backdrop there. So we spent some time defining love and exploring the fact that God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, and the God of the New Testament, same God, same God of love. And so you can't, uh, can't don't separate it. Um, you may wonder sometimes, well, why did God in the Old Testament uh, allow so much uh, killing and things like that? And we, we talked about that some. We won't go into there today. But except for the fact that love needs two things. Love needs freedom to choose. And that's how God created you. He created, he made the first man in the garden that way with the freedom to choose. And the other thing love needs is a boundary. Uh, and God clearly shows us that boundary through the Old Testament, through the law. And, and so when you think of love in that way, all of a sudden love can become a weapon. Um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. So love needs boundaries. It needs a definition, and God clearly shows us that. And then he sent his son to bear that true representation of himself to mankind. Then we looked a little bit at, at, at uh, the loins, that we should have our loins girt with truth. <coughs> Do you know who you are in Christ? Are your loins girt with truth? 
you are created for purpose, even whether you're male or female. And today, the, the world is trying to confuse that. And people are being confused about who they are. You need to put on your, your belt of truth. God created you for purpose, either male or female. <clears throat> then the other part there in Ephesians 6 is the breastplate of righteousness. I believe righteousness is something that we should wear at all times. It should be out front where everybody can see it. A right a righteous way of living. Not your own righteousness, which is filthy rags, but the righteousness of God. But it is something that you should wear at all times. It protects your vital organs. It's not a secret uh, undergarment, but something that we should wear on the outside. Then we talked about the shield of faith. You know, a shield, a shield is something that is both uh, <coughs> offensive and defensive. Defensive, it, it, you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. But you can, also, you can also hold it out for um, when you're advancing. And you can lock arms. You can lock shields with your fellow man. And you can become even stronger when you do that. You lock shields of faith with your fellow man. And you go against the enemy. And I like the, the picture of extinguishing fiery darts. Um, there, was a, there was a time when they would have leather shields in the Old Testament, at least that's what I'm told. And these shields, they would drench in water so that when the enemy would shoot fiery darts, that they could, they could extinguish them. And in the Bible, we are told that the word of God is like the water. You know, we should wash, we should be washed by the, by the word of God, right? The water of the word. And so make sure you're taking your shield of faith and you're increasing your faith by getting into the word and allowing that word to wet your shield. Then we had, uh, we looked a little bit at the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we looked at that a little bit as a, simply as, as having a habit of sharing the gospel. Just like most of you probably have a habit of putting on your shoes in the morning when you go to work. And you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about which shoes you should wear for work. And maybe some of you do when you go away, I don't know. You know, which shoes should I wear? But probably most of the time when you go to work, you have this habit of putting on a certain pair of shoes, and it doesn't take a long time to figure that out. And so the same way we should have this habit, we should build this habit in our, in our lives of wearing the shoes or being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, this is part of, our, part of our armor. If we don't share our testimony, if we don't share what God is doing, uh, we're missing a part. Can you imagine a soldier going into battle without shoes? Maybe everything else is on, but no shoes. Little splinters could take him out and make him and cripple him. So we need to, we need to work on those habits of, of sharing the gospel, sharing our testimony. For they overcame him by the word, by the, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. <clears throat> And then we also looked at the uh, helmet of the hope of salvation. You know, faith, faith and righteousness covers our, covers our, our middle parts, our vital organs, faith. Um, we need faith. But hope is something that, that covers our mind. Um, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. So if you don't have any hope, you're really, you're really setting yourself up for both spiritual sickness and, I think, physical sickness as well sometimes. Um, but spiritual sickness, if you have no hope. So hope in the salvation that God has given us. 
It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> Let the promises of God and his salvation be a protection to you and your mind. Promises like this, for example, in Hebrews, in Hebrews um, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Can we really hang on to that hope when things are, when things are going really difficult? We can. And we have, we, have a, we have one that went before us, Jesus, who walked this earth. Not everything was easy. His disciples, he walked with his disciples for, for three years, and they still didn't get it. He was teaching them, teaching them, walking beside them, teaching them. And right up until you know, his crucifixion, they all ran away from him for a period. They didn't get it. Just a few days before they were arguing about who would be the greatest. So I think as we walk this, this life, um, it's important to set our hope in God, not in men, but to be patient and walk with God. So then we started on uh, the, uh, the last portion there, and I'll turn to Ephesians 6 and just read a couple of verses here. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we did talk about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We explored the nature of the Holy Spirit a little bit. We looked at the Old Testament, some of Old Testament types and examples of the nature of the Holy Spirit just a little bit. And so... Um, to get us, hopefully to get us all kind of on the same page here this morning, let's do that a little bit of review on that as well. So what are some names of the Holy Spirit? Please help me. Some of the names of the Holy Spirit. Comforter. Comforter. Some more. Anyone? Helper. Helper. Yes. <coughs> Any more? How about a teacher or a revealer? How about the spirit of wisdom? And the spirit of truth. These are all names that, that, name, that are used for the Holy Spirit. And they, all, they also give you a, a picture of what the Holy Spirit does. And what the Holy Spirit wants to continue to do today. And as was already read in John chapter 16. Now, we also talked a little bit about what the Holy Spirit does not do. One thing the Holy Spirit does. The other thing the Holy Spirit does not do. What does the Holy Spirit not do? Does anyone want to help me out there? The Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. Yes. Yes. So if you're tempted to speak of yourself, you can be assured that it's not the Holy Spirit working through you. <clears throat> that is probably the flesh. Yeah. So what else? In one verse it says, My spirit will not always strive with man. So the Holy Spirit will not always strive with man. That, in the, that verse, though, indicates that he may strive sometimes with man. He will not always. Um, another verse in the Bible that says, he'll, a, smoke, a, a smoking reed he will not quench. The Holy Spirit will not quench a smoking reed. He will not hurt people. He will not force his way into your heart. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. <clears throat> in Revelations 3.20, I think it is, a, is the... Uh, 
the picture of that of the Holy Spirit. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I think that's talking about the Spirit. He wants to come in, but he knocks. Doesn't, he doesn't force his way in like a robber. You need to open the door. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will never con- contradict the word of God. You can be assured of that. We already heard he'll never speak of himself. He's always doing the will of the Father. He will not keep you from all temptations, but he will enable you and he will help you overcome temptations. Okay, so let, with that backdrop, let's, let's continue digging into that a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit today and also then partnering, partnering in prayer for each other. Those last two verses there, 17 and 18, that we want to look at. I think I'm going to read Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 18 in the Living Bible Translation just to give you a little bit of a different word picture. Um, so Ephesians 6 verse 10 last of all I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you I like that and in King James it says this finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might his might and, but I like how that brings it out. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell within you. Are we tapping in to the Holy Spirit's strength? Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand against all the strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Remember that. But against persons without bodies the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Now, when you read that, you just think, wow, it would be good to just simply get some heavy weaponry to, to do battle, right? But the battle, the, the battle God wants us to fight is with his weapons, the weapon of love. He wants us to put on the armor, and, and yes, uh, Paul, I think, used that picture of maybe a Roman soldier being shielded up and all ready for, for battle. But really, our, our weaponry is love. And our weaponry is, is, is God himself and his Holy Spirit and walking in, in, in step with him. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it's all over, you'll still be standing up. Verse 14, but do this. But to do this, you will need a strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. And you will need the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So. Well, let me just read verse 18 yet. Pray all the time. Ask God for anything in line with the Holy Spirit's wishes. Plead with him, reminding him of your needs. And keep praying earnestly for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too. And ask God to give me the right words as I boldly tell others about the Lord 
and as I explained to them his salvation, that his salvation is for the Gentiles too. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, let's just zero in on that a little bit and think about that. So what is the sword here? What does it say? What is the sword? The word, the word of God. So where does the spirit come in here then? Is the spirit operating the sword? It says it's the word of God. So is the spirit operating the sword? Yes. I want to distinguish between the two. The word of God and the spirit operating the sword, if you will. Let's just distinguish that a little bit. But now, where does that put you? Are you just going to sit in the bleachers and watch? Where does that put you? It says we're to take this on. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So no, you're part of this. You're not just supposed to sit in the bleachers. Remember, you're the vessel the Spirit is dwelling in. In 1 Peter 2, 9... But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and obtained mercy. But now, well, this is not written right. But now you have obtained mercy. I got to turn to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but, not, but have now obtained mercy. And then it goes on to talk about warring against the flesh again. But so let's move on. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's what you are. God wants to dwell within us. <clears throat> so remember, we talked about this in the Old Testament a little bit, I think, or when we were back in the Old Testament there, uh, that, that God wanted a people. He wanted to make the Israelites kings and priests for himself. And that's still his, his desire today. And I think as long as, I believe, as long as God extends this era of grace to the people on earth, God will be looking for earthly beings to indwell by his spirit so his word can go forth and touch all people. Are you willing to be that? Are you willing to be one of those people that he, that he will dwell within? <clears throat> so let's just remember, if, if God would come to earth in a form that, that we could see him in our earthly bodies, we, we wouldn't survive. We couldn't survive. But he can come in a spirit and indwell us. In the Old Testament, his spirit was active in the Old Testament, but it wasn't poured out on everyone. It was active. It would, it would come upon some people. But it wasn't actively poured out on all people. It couldn't be because the sin debt had not yet been paid by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so I've, I have wondered already about this when I was younger, that well, why didn't Jesus just stay on the earth? 
Why did he have to leave so the comforter could come? But just think about it a little bit. If Jesus, if, 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 if God would have just stayed here in the form of his son, he could only, in, in earthly, fleshly form, he could only be in one place at one time. That would limit the power of God very much. And so it was much better for Jesus to go home and to send the spirit and let it be poured out on all people. That way we can have the spirit today and the, the, the uh, Christians in China can have the spirit. And, you know, you here, you here in New York can have it. And we can have in Connecticut all at the same time. So it was much better that Jesus went back to the Father and sent in the form of the Holy Spirit, his spirit again back to us. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay. So we today are a conduit for God's spirit to live out the holiness of God in our fleshly bodies. In this way, we, can, we give our lives to God. We take on his righteousness. We can become kings and priests in God's kingdom. We can become the children of light. We can once again walk in light and have fellowship with him. We can walk just like Adam and Eve did before sin. And they were walking with God. We can walk with him, not quite the same way because we still live in this fleshly body. We, we're not physically able to walk with God, but spiritually we can walk with him and we can have a relationship with him. And he can speak to us and we can hear from him. <clears throat> so I'd like to use a little bit of an illustration this morning about the spirit of God. What is this? What is this? A screw gun. Is it a cordless screw gun? It's a battery operated one, right? Yeah, it has no cord. Yeah. So maybe a, cordless, a corded one would be a better um, example. I don't know. But because most people are using these anymore, I decided to use this as, a, as a, uh, an example. So let's just uh, look at this a little bit as the drill is like the word of God in you, okay? It's quick, powerful, if it's a Milwaukee. Um, and, and you can do whatever it's designed for, pretty much. You can drill holes, you can screw uh, screws. And uh, have you ever watched a good carpenter take a drill that's dead and try to put screws in? I mean, I've already tried to put the last one in, you know, with, I don't know if this one does that or not, but I know older drills that the one that used to have, you could, it was almost dead. You could keep the, the, the button pushed in and you could put just that, that last, that last screw, you could just get it in there, right? Well, that's not how God wants us to operate, but, um, so let's think about this as, as the word of God at work in you. It's quick, powerful, and it'll do whatever it needs to, but. Let's think about this. What is this? This is the battery, right? Let's think about the battery as us. Now, God wants us, God wants to dwell within us. He wants to use us. He wants to work through us. Is this drill quick and powerful? The way it is now? No. Okay. So... 
Are we the energy in this drill? No, we're just a battery. There's something inside this battery that energizes. And you can put this on a charger, you can energize it, you can fill it up, you can put it on your drill, and then you can use your drill. That's a little bit how we are. So, I'm gonna follow my notes so I don't go on too many bunny trails. So, let's think about this a little bit. We're the battery. This is the word of God. Maybe, maybe the, the switch is our surrender to him. Maybe. Now, I know this is, in Ephesians, it's called a, a, a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, but in this case, God wants to work with us but he wants to keep our battery charged as well. So what does that remind you of? I know in the, in, the Old, in, the, in the New Testament, Jesus talked about a vine and being connected to the vine, right? And that if you're not connected, it just, you don't work. You have to keep, stay connected to the vine. So in our modern day example here, the battery needs to stay connected to the drill to make it work, it needs to be, it needs to be um, charged, and maybe in that way it would be better to use a a, a, a drill with a cord <laughs> that's connected to power. But think about it in that way: we're connected to a battery that's charged, and we keep that battery charged by staying connected to the vine, uh, to God's to God's charging station, if you will. <clears throat> now, what happens? if we have rusty terminals. You don't charge right. Do some of us have rusty terminals sometimes? We're not connecting with God. We're not living in fullness with Him. We're trying to do it in our own self-righteousness maybe. How often does the spirit long to help you through a situation? But his eyes are clouded with tears because you just grieved him by how you treated your brother. Or maybe by what you looked at. Or maybe what you listened to. And he cannot come to your need because your battery has rusty terminals. He can't fill you. Because there's sin in the way. How often does that happen? Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He comes, he knocks at the door. But he allows you to open the door. So maybe there's rooms in your heart that still need opening. Maybe you're, not, maybe you're only running on, on two terminals. There's not a very good connection. Maybe you're trying to run your 18-volt drill with a 6-volt power pack. How does that work if you put the wrong battery on there? What is that? Maybe that's your own righteousness. Workspace salvation, maybe. Where you're trying to work it out yourself with your 6-volt power pack. 
you know, we, we have this little gator at home that had a, a small battery on it. And it, it, it's been, that's probably five or six years old already since we have it. And it looked old when it came and it didn't run. Uh, but we, we clipped off the old battery and we, we kind of uh, rigged it up that you can run it with these batteries. And you know that, that uh, little gator ran much better and faster <laughs> with, with, with a battery like this. You know, you and I can run much better and faster as well if we're connected to the vine, if we're connected to God. His Holy Spirit wants to work through us. So maybe you're trying to run your drill with a one, 110 volts when it's designed to be run with 18 volts. I don't know, maybe the analogy is breaking down now, but I would liken that to the name it and claim it gospel. Say a prayer and once saved, always saved, doesn't matter how I, how I live, regardless how I live, I'm, it, it's going to be okay. <clears throat> God has a specific way that he wants to work through us. He wants us, arm, he, he wants us in, our, in our whole armor. <clears throat> He wants to work through our fleshly bodies. Or maybe you're realizing the desperate need you have to stay connected to God through his Holy Spirit. And you also realize that your battery needs to be plugged into the word on a consistent and regular basis. You're filling your earthly brain with the word. So the spirit has something to work with the next time he puts his hand over top of your hand on that sword to help you in that battle. That's where I'd like for you to think about it in, in two different analogies, the drill and the sword. I think the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, but he, the, the spirit wants to indwell us. He wants to help us. He wants to put his hand over our hand on that sword. And he's using the word. He's using his spirit. He's using all of this. He's using us. So if you are... In that camp where you're saying, oh, we just have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit and, uh, and nothing else matters. Well, then how, are you gonna, how do you give the Spirit something to work with? God wants us to get into the Word so that the Word has something to work with. <clears throat> I mean, so the Spirit has something to work with when those times come. Remember. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he knocks before he comes in. We already re read that in Revelations 3. I want to read in John 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall, shall flow rivers of living water. And then he says this in verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But today, that Holy Spirit is poured out and is, it's available to all of us. Are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us? Are we willing to give the Holy Spirit some, uh, uh, some, something to work with, if you will? Get into the word. Discipline your life in that way. <clears throat> and when he tells you something, do it. You know how often you could find answers in the word? You can find them every day for everything in, in life. There are answers in the word for everything that you're doing in life. Now, maybe it's not always a, 
oh, you, sh you should do this or this, but there's always principles that you can follow wherever you are in whatever situation you're in. There are principles in the word that you can put to practice. It's a beautiful thing. So now let's, uh, let's go into prayer just a little bit and, and, and think about prayer. So the Holy Spirit desires to indwell us and guide us into all truth. He, he, he wants to enable us to live righteously. Not of our own strength. Not our own selfish, not our, not our own righteousness. It's as filthy rags. But he wants us to take on his righteousness and allow his spirit to work it out where people can see it. Now, this is another way that we partner with each other. Back to Ephesians. Ephesians 6, verse 19, no, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I like how it says all prayer in the Spirit, all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then Paul puts a little uh, personal prayer request in there. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You mean Paul, this man of God, needed prayers that he could be bold? If he needed those prayers, how much more do I need them today? We need each other to spur each other on. We really do. Don't think they can do it on your own. But we should pray in the Spirit. All prayers, all kinds of prayers, some translations say. Um, you're, you, you did that this morning by praying for people. It's... We don't know the fraction of the power of prayer. I don't, I don't think, at least I don't, I don't think I do. Um, the power of prayer. I have seen God answer a number of prayers in the last couple of weeks um, with some of the situations we were in. And when, when that happens, are we, are we then giving glory to God? Are we then thanking him for his answer prayer? You know, are we, are we being bold with our testimony? That's where some of this testimony comes in, that we, we can overcome the enemy by the, word of the, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. When God answers prayer for you, that's a testimony that you can take out and, and praise God with and, and allow other people to hear of, of how God is working. There's, a, there's an Old Testament account in 2 Kings 13. I don't think we'll go there, but it's, a, it's that account where, where Elisha, he was sick, and the king, Joash, I think it was, told him to come, and he was just uh, really sad that Elisha was about to die. And he asked him to, to pray, and he asked some advice from him. And... Um, Elisha had, had a little, uh, he had a little something that he told him to do. He said, well, take your bow 
and open the window and shoot an arrow out the window. I'm not sure. Did he have him shoot several? I should have read that a little more often recently. <laughs> um, but anyway, then after that, he said, now take those arrows and bang them on the ground. Then he banged them on the ground. He only banged it three times. And Elisha was upset with him. He said, you should have banged that six or seven times because then you would have overcame your enemies that often. But you just, only did, you just did it three times. And you're just, go, you're just going to overcome the, uh, your enemy three times. I think that is a picture of prayer and of intercession. And the picture there, if I'm not mistaken, was Elisha had put his hand over the king's hand to shoot that arrow. And then he wanted them, he wanted them to bang the arrows on the ground. He did it a little bit. Are we that way sometimes? God wants us to, to intercede, to be persistent in prayer. And we do it only maybe three times, and then we're done. Now God wants us to be persistent in prayer. <clears throat> Jude 20. I believe we already read that earlier this week. But Jude, verse 20 through 25. But beloved... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Is he worthy? Does he love you? He desires to dwell within all of us. And to be the power that can make the word of God go forth and touch people's lives. Not of your own strength. You're not the word. You're just the battery. And the battery is dead without being connected to the vine. That's a little picture of the Holy Spirit. I believe at work in our lives. And in, in some ways, it just seems like, you know, now we see through a glass darkly. We don't know all of these things. We don't know, but we will someday see face to face. I just want to encourage you to stay faithful in God and stay connected to the vine. Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your love and mercy, your goodness to us this week. And, and today, thank you that you are worthy and we praise you and, and worship you. You're worthy to take that book and to open the seals. And you're worthy to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You conquered death. You overcame. And now you want to indwell us as well. You want to make us worthy as well. You want to indwell us and help us overcome.
And Father, I thank you for that. I pray that you would help each one here today to walk in the footsteps in, in your will. Walk in your, in your footsteps. And Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we, be, may we take the weapon of love and apply it in every part of our life. May we, may we stand fast that when the storms of life come, we could still be standing even after the storm passes. Lord, I just pray that you would bless and keep this, the church here and also any other church that, re that is represented here today, Lord. Pray that you would guide, direct, and keep us and make us a blessing in your kingdom. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.